Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Well, thank you, Jeff. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. What a great business this is. They've been with us pretty much the entire season. Uh, you can you can go to Main Street Pharmacy at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. That's at Main Street Farm. And welcome back to this week. In the ACC, this is the podcast of all sports discussion, the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. Jeff, I'm going to check in on our guest right now. Would you mind going over what happened today in ACC softball while I check in? Uh, while I check in, check in, uh, check in on Tim. Thank yeah, you, absolutely, really Matthew. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, let's check out the NCAA uh, softball bracket. Uh, Virginia Tech advances the number three seed out of out of the ACC. Uh, they had to win three games in a row, uh, knock off uh, Kentucky and back. <clears throat> uh, they had to, to, to knock off Kentucky to get in there. Uh, now they'll be hosting the Florida Gators, the number 14 seed. Um, Georgia Tech was in that bracket. Uh, they they were eliminated after winning their opening game against Wisconsin, but lost two games in a row there. Um, going further down, the ACC Clemson advances to the Super Regionals for the first time uh, in their bracket, and they will go on to play Oklahoma State, the seven seed in the Super Regionals. So really great tournament for Clemson. Um, here is the stunner, absolute stunner here in Tallahassee. Florida State, the number two seed, uh, made it to the national championship series last week, won the national championship in 2018. Uh, they were defeated by Mississippi State today, and that was an absolute stunning result. Um, disappointing way for the Seminoles to end the season as they were considered one of the teams that could challenge Oklahoma and maybe one of the few that that could knock them off. Uh, now Virginia Tech probably becomes uh, clearly the biggest threat to Oklahoma winning a national championship at this point, but but really stunning for Florida State to go down this early in the tournament. Uh, we'll keep looking through the bracket. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils advanced, eliminating Georgia. They were down 5-1 in that game uh, and then defeated the Georgia Bulldogs to advance. And uh, they will be playing perennial uh, perennial softball power UCLA out west. Uh, the 12 seed Duke advances. So really strong tournament by Duke. Uh, Notre Dame was eliminated. Uh, in their northwestern bracket, uh, they they struggled this this weekend in Evanston, um, but Notre Dame's traditionally pretty pretty strong, but uh, didn't play well uh, this year, and they they were eliminated. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the uh, so, our softball update there, with Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Duke advancing. Uh, into the Super Regionals, uh, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, a little bit unsurprisingly, uh, did not make it through their brackets. And then, of course, the big stunner, uh, the powerhouse Florida State Seminole softball team getting eliminated uh, in Tallahassee, which was the biggest upset of the first weekend of the tournament. Also, number six, Alabama went down in their bracket uh as Stanford advanced out of there in Tuscaloosa, that was also pretty pretty stunning. But uh, Florida State going down was the biggest surprise of the tournament thus far. 
Jeff, what what about what about how about baseball? You want to give us an update on the schedule for baseball? Yeah, that um, yeah, maybe we could do that at the uh, end of the podcast, Matthew, because I see Tim just joined I see up. Tim with us. I see Tim with us. Tim, buddy, we have Tim. Hey, how are y'all? Can Man, you hear we're me? Happy, we're happy you're here, Tim. We're happy you're here. Do please do us a favor. Put yourself on a mute, on mute when you're not talking because it'll be good for uh, good for uh, interference and all, all all that stuff. So if you can put yourself on mute now, and then when you're talking, thank you so much, sir. Okay, so guys, tonight we have Tim Thomas and ladies. I should say we have Tim Thomas from Tech Lunch Pail on the show, and he is awesome. He's so great. He's been such a great friend of this podcast. He was on here several years ago when he was a freshman at Virginia Tech. He he worked on the fan-sided Fighting Gobbler blog. He was really the really the lead establisher of that of that of that blog, the lead owner of that blog, and then transitioned to his own blog and went went on there independent. And we've seen him grow every single year with a larger reader larger readership, and he really is. The preeminent Tim Thomas I'm talking about here now is really the preeminent blogger. I'm giving high praise here in the Virginia Tech blogosphere right now, and has it really the great, really I would say the biggest, the biggest overall following, following in the in the tech blogosphere right now, right right now. And he's been he's been on just he's he's been on radio shows all throughout the state of Virginia. And like I said, he's been on our podcast several times and. We feel we're always we're always happy to have him come back in the show. You can follow Tim on Twitter at, at Tim Thomas TLP. That's at T I M T H O M A S T L P. And his site Twitter account is at Tech Lunch Pail D. That's at T E C H L U N C H P A I L D. Tim, welcome back, my friend. Before we start, tell us about yourself. The floor is yours, Tim. Thanks again for coming on our show. We love having you come on here. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. It's great to be back on. Uh, yeah, I'm, like like Matt mentioned, I it's been sep- it's been about seven, a little over seven years since I was a freshman at Tech uh, when I first came on. Actually, right when I launched the Tech Lunch Bail was that that week, um, and which has been an incredible ride. I'm a 2018 graduate of Tech from the School of Civil and Environmental Engineering and the land development side of it. Um, so. Yeah, very thankful for that. Launched the site several years ago. I have a great team of riders around me. I've gotten to go all over, travel, cover all sorts of events, part of the regular credentialed media um, that covers Virginia Tech, including up at uh, Tech Softball Park earlier this afternoon as Tech uh, won a couple of games against Kentucky to advance to the Super Regionals on a crazy day on the softball front. Um, you know, it's a great team of riders. You can see me in the fall. You can hear me on ESPN Blacksburg before tech football games on their pregame show along with throughout the year ESPN Blacksburg sometimes on ESPN Richmond occasionally as well and uh it's a little bit like I said I've been fortunate I have a great team of writers and I have a great team now with people like Andy Lowe's who just graduated from Virginia Tech congrats to him uh Will Lachlan Carter Hill are students at Tech and some old like Jahara Lee and Peyton C are also great writers tech grads like myself who are part of our tech lunchfield team it is, like I said, Tim, this is, it is my favorite Virginia Tech blog. And I think you all do just a, a fantastic job. And it's a really big service to, to, to Hokie Nation. So I, I think both Jeff and I, both Jeff and I think that. So uh, before we go to football, because that's the topic tonight, I didn't really tell people what we were discussing tonight is the lead topic. We are going to preview the 2022 Virginia Tech football team. We're in the midst of our ACC football previews at allsportsdiscussion.com. But Tim, before we get to 2022 Virginia Tech football, I want to get your quick thoughts on Virginia Tech's 2022 men's basketball season. The floor is yours, Tim. Yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, a great turnaround at the end of the year and what a run in in Brooklyn. What a tremendous run by that team. Um, Incredible. And, you know, like I said, they, they fought their way back. They dug themselves a big hole and they fought their way back. Now, is it the greatest season in Tech basketball history? I don't think so. Uh, I'll still take the team that went to the Sweet 16, was a top 20 team all year um, back in 2018-19 season. But it was a tremendous run. And then when they they knew they had to win their way into the NCAA tournament, they did it. And what a run that was. Um, you know, tremendous team. Obviously, you have a few guys moving on. Aluma, Aline transferring elsewhere. Justin Mutz, we still don't know. 
if he'll be back or not. Storm Murphy as well moving on. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how this roster comes together uh, for next season. But what a season this was, you know, continuing the build. I mean, obviously they wouldn't have made that 2020 NCAA tournament, but because there wasn't one contested, it's the fifth straight contested NCAA tournament in school history. Uh, well, fifth straight contested ter- NCAA tournament for Tech. Um, the longest streak before that uh, was two NCAA tournaments in a row for Virginia Tech. It is tremendous how this program has really taken off with Buzz Williams and Mike Young. Um, I mean, you know, I think about what Buzz Williams inherited was basically a trailer home, and then Mike Young, you know, welcomed an empty million-dollar home and is built on that, the foundation that Buzz Williams started. So it's been a tremendous rise, to say the least, of what Virginia Tech has done. And how Virginia Tech has established itself as a force in ACC basketball. Um, Who would have thought that? If you would have said that a decade ago, um, who would have thought all the success that Virginia Tech would have? And so it's tremendous and a tremendous season on some more great accomplishments that seemed unimaginable. I'm with you, Tim. And I mean, I look at my, I look at my position, look at where I'm sitting. I'm probably one of the uh, chat. Chad Willis and I are some of the older Hokies. And I, I don't think that, I mean, the moment still hit us that, you know, when Virginia tech won the ACC this year, that was a huge moment. That was a massive moment of significance for many of us in Virginia, you know, many of us who probably have been fans of really more of basketball than football, because we remember, we remember some of the glory days of, 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 of Virginia Tech's men's basketball team. And I mean, we're really young then, but we still remember, remember it. And to see this moment this year, winning the ACC, just say a few brief words about that, Tim. Yeah, just a tremendous moment uh, for that program and uh, how far it's come in the modern tech basketball revival and reestablishment that we've seen. The thing back to the Ace Custises and the Dell Currys and the Bimbo Coles and all these people, you know, all these players, you know, I think so, all, so much of Tech's roots sporting-wise in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s is basketball before the rise in, under Beamer. Um, you know, in some ways – now, people say, you know, is Tech a basketball school now? No. It, football's still the king of Blacksburg in popularity. But, you know, it used to be that way. And you, you've seen an era, a new era come of great basketball success. And it's come at the same time as well of great success on the women's side as well. I mean, the women's team had that run around the turn of the 21st century, you know, of great success. Now we're seeing it overlap in what is truly an incredible golden era on both fronts. Amen, sir. Amen, sir. Jeff, you're up, man. We're talking Virginia Tech football 2022. The floor is yours, Jeff. All right. Thank you, Matthew. All right, Tim, as we get into Virginia Tech football here for 2022, what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Hokies? Well, I think I'm going to have to start. Uh, This might seem like a smart Alec comment, but punter. (laughs) It's not a great sign when you were going to punter first, though. Peter Moore is a real good one. Um, but you look at this team, the linebackers, you know, the experience with Dax Hollifield and Alan Tisdale, that's a very intriguing group next year. That should be among the leaders on the forefront. Defensive tackle, those guys, that top three has a lot of experience with Josh Fuga behind Norrell Pollard and Mario Kendricks. That should be a very good group. I'm a big fan of Taiwan Garbutt. Like I said, I think the defense pretty is going to be interesting next year. There's a lot of good pieces. Shamari Connor. I'm bigger on cornerback than the staff seems based on some Juco targets and everything else. I don't know if I agree with where they're focusing on trying to fill out the couple spots they have open, but I think the cornerback position is a little stronger. On the offensive side, you look at Malachi Thomas. You look at the young skill position guys who should be able to take – or maybe ready to take the next steps, guys like Malachi Thomas, who looked really good last season. Daywan Lofton, who showed plenty of promise. So and you got a veteran transfer, Jaden Blue. I know we'll get into the transfers a little. In a little bit, another guy like that. Caleb Smith looked great in the spring game. So a lot of solid players all around in terms of the strengths of this team. All right, now let's go on the flip side, Tim. What are some of the major weaknesses for the Hokies uh, for 2022? In other words, what do you think 
uh, the Hokies will be working on before the first game? You know, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved? Yeah, you know, I think it starts. This is going to be a weird one. This is not a position group. It's just there's not a lot of star talent on this team. There's a lot of solid players. Guys will be solid players next year. But there's a lack of star talent that can take you from being battling for bowl eligibility to contending in the Coastal. It's part the issue that Virginia Tech has is there's just not a lot of star talent. Now, there's some guy potential, and a few could, but it's just not much. Maybe a Shamari Connor. But when I look at this team, how many guys are really all ACC first and second team guys potentially? I just don't see a lot of that in 2022. Now, development, 2023, and down the line, different story. But with this team in 2022, that's a concern. The offensive line depth um, and the offensive line maybe as a whole. Um, you've, they've lost so much. They've had so much talent over the past two years. It's all gone now. You look at Christian Darasol, Lasita Smith, Brock Hoffman, Luke Tanuta. All those guys are gone. Getting Johnny Jordan an extra year is big at center because otherwise that was going to have to be a portal find or else that could be that could have been ugly. But still, there's just there's going to be some young guys that get the chance to step up who've been building. But you know, we'll see if Salas Janzi can finally find his rhythm at offensive tackle. Lost his job there a couple times previously. The younger guys, um, you know, Jesse Hansen's a guy that's going to have to step up. But after that, I mean, those are solid players, but. The depth isn't there. That's part of the issue with this offensive line. There's just not depth either. Uh, Joe Rudolph's got some work on, his, work on his hands, to say the least. And so those are a couple of the bigger things. Safety, I mean, the guy who's going to be next to Shamara Connor is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Nike Hawkins seems to be closing the gap on the Sear Peoples. Um, you know, that's going to be interesting. Jalen Stroman in that. Like I said, it, it's a younger team as well. There's a lot of youth on this team, and that's going to be part of it as well is the youth um, and it's just not a lot of star talent. And we'll see what the quarterback play. Can Grant, I think Grant Wells and Jason Brown can be better true passers than Burmeister. But, you know, one, how much would Tech love to have Hendon Hooker, who could be a Heisman, who probably is a Heisman contender for next year, still in this on this roster? Um, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, I think it goes back to there's just not a lot of star talent. There's a lot of solid, but there's not the star talent that you need to contend with Miami and Pittsburgh in the coastal. All right, Tim, um, who are some of the new recruits and uh, transfer portal players that, that have impressed you the most? And do you think um, any will get major playing time right away? Yeah, well, I think it starts with the quarterback battle between the Marshall transfer Grant Wells and the South Carolina transfer Jason Brown. Look, you know, you can read so much into a spring game. It's one of 15 data points, basically, in, in a spring. Um, and Jason Brown had a weaker roster. But with that said, Grant Wells just looks so much better. I, I really think Grant Wells is the guy to beat um, at that quarterback job. And I expect him to be the starter. So I think that's where it had, the conversation has to start is with Grant Wells. So Jason Brown absolutely could get involved with it and could win the job. Um, or play a lot next year, depending on all sorts of factors. I think about Jaden Blue, the Temple transfer at wide receiver. That's going to be a guy to watch. Um, you know, he's going to be a lead receiver. Can he, you know, he had not much help the past couple of years after having a big year back in, I think, 2019. Um, you know, almost, I think, like 80 to 90 receptions that season. Can he take the steps forward? Uh, can he refine that with – what should be better quarterback play and an actual passing offense, the be it. Um, if you look at the numbers for Temple, they weren't pretty. So I think that's the biggest thing. I, I mean, we'll see. There's always guys who end up popping up who early in their career you don't expect. Um, but I think that's the core. Like I said, Day One Lofton's a guy who didn't play a lot last year. There's a lot of hype, but never got the opportunity to lay in the season. You know, he'll be a sophomore, but the guy's got a load of talent. I think he's going to be an exciting guy that, look, may not be new, but is a guy, a, a name to know. I think he's a, definitely a guy to know looking ahead the next year on that side of it. Um, so those those are kind of, like I said, heavy on the offensive side of things in, in that regard. All right, very good, Tim. Um, next question here. Do you think Virginia Tech will be better than last year? Why or why not? And then after you answer that, we want to go through um, what we call win game, lose game. 
where we go through the the Virginia Tech schedule and get your quick thoughts on whether that game will be a win or a loss. Yeah, you know, I I could see them easily being – I think six six very much what they could be, and they could be worse. Like I said, the star talent just isn't there. And it's a, there's a lot of solid players, but is there that all-ACC talent that you need to, like say, compete with Miami and Pitt and be in that conversation? I, I, I just don't see it. And so I, I think it's going to be a – it's a rebuilding. This, this program is in a state of rebuilding. Um, and so I think it's going to be – there's going to be some tough ones coming up, and there could be some tough stretches in this first season for Brent Pry. Um, it's the program is not where you'd want it to be, to say the least. Um, a lot of youth, that's exciting, but like I said, there's a rebuild ahead here. Um, and you know, like I said, the offense is probably the weaker side compared to the defense. But yeah, I think that's just. I, I think it could be pretty even. It could be six and six, seven and five, five and seven. I think that's the range of Virginia Tech next year. If they're in contention in the Coastal, I think Brent Pry. Um, has got a great chance to be ACC Coach of the Year if they're in any sort of contention in the Coastal. All right, Tim. So, yeah, let's get into that schedule and, and see where those five to seven wins will come from. Um, you start out the season on Friday, September 2nd at Old Dominion. Yeah, I think they're going to take care of business at ODU. I think that will be a little personal, and I think there will be a little extra emphasis after losing – at ODU previously, the last time they played there, and one of the shock losses that uh, helped begin was the beginning of the end, the beginning of the demise of Justin Fuente. I think they win that one to start it out. Okay. Um, then after that, you come back and you host uh, Boston College, and I, I think this is a pivotal early season game for both teams. Yeah, and I, I this is a, one of those toss-up games on the schedule for me, and it helps it's at home. And I, I think I think those first four games that month of September, Tech goes three and one. I don't know which one will be the loss, whether it's Boston College or West Virginia. I'm going Boston College in a, as a loss. I, I really like Phil Yurkovic, a healthy Phil Yurkovic, Zay Flowers, what Jeff Halfley has built up, um, and this young Tech team that I, I just I just don't know if they're going to have. I like I said, I think it's a toss up. I could go either way on this. They get the six and six, seven and five, and you know, we may get to the end of this. I may flip this game to a win and flip another somewhere else to a loss. But I think Brent Pry's first home game might fall in the in the loss category. Okay. Um, after the BC game, you stay at home and you host the Wofford Terriers. Yeah, we can just put a win on the co- on the column there. The Mike Young Bowl. Um, put a win on that. <laughs> Very good. Um, you stay at home. Um, for for a really nice Thursday night game, this should, this should be a, a vintage um, Virginia Tech Thursday night home atmosphere against uh, regional rival here, West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think I think Tech beats um, but this once again you could see it's going either way. But I think Tech beats West Virginia. Um, you know, back at at home rivalry game. There'll be plenty of energy in the built in inside Lane Stadium that night, and I think this team has the pieces. And plus, I think Grant Wells would, uh, you know, I think will be the starting quarterback going against West Virginia, the former Marshall quarterback. I think and get the job done. All right, uh, then you go on the road. You play at North Carolina. Yeah, and I think there's a. I mean, there's a chance Tech could be four and zero, and it'd be a very much an illusion of what this team is. Or it could be a riding the hype train and. Falling for it, or they could be proving us wrong. I, I really don't know what to think of this game because North Carolina should have a lot of talent, but they underperform constantly. I, I have it as a loss, but I, I don't know. Toss, throw it up in a once again like Boston College. It's a toss up in my book. Um, so, and this, like I said, I could see Tech being three and two. There's a chance Tech's five and zero oh before things come crashing down. All right. Um, now you get into to the next uh, four weeks where you'll have a bye week in there, but this this three game stretch uh, could could define Virginia Tech season. Uh, it starts on October eighth at Pitt. Yeah, I think this sets the stage for what will be a trying to fight their way to bowl eligibility at the end of the day. I think this is a loss to Pittsburgh. Um, 
Yeah, I, I even without Jordan Addison, you bring in Mumfield, I think, from Akron. Keaton Slovis is a good quarterback. Look, I think Pitt will be good. Will he be as good as they like? No, I, I, I think Pitt's a top 25 team. I don't think they are. I, I don't think they're the team that will win the Coastal, um, as many have predicted all, way too early. I think, But I think they're good, and I think Pitt uh, takes care of business at home. All right. Okay. Um, then you come back home on, on October 15th, and you host the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, you know, they they say you're supposed to put a homecoming game on a game you you know you have a great chance of winning, and uh, yeah, Miami's going to win this game. I think Miami, by the way, is my pick to win the Coastal. Um, I really am a believer what they found at the end of the season with Cristobal coming in now, the momentum that is around that program with Tyler Van Dyke back at quarterback, who I think can be one of the top ten quarterbacks in the country. I think Miami will come to Blacksburg and win that one as well. I think I think the talent gap's just too big. Okay, um, then you have a bye week, um, which is going to give you time to pre- try to prepare for a road game at what a lot of people expect to be a really good NC State team. Yeah, and I would agree with that assessment as well. I think NC State's going to be very good with Devin Leary and all that they have back, and they've recruited well. They've built up, and you know, Peyton Wilson being healthy is going to be a big boost for that team. I think, yeah, that's, you know, I look forward to trying to make the trip to Raleigh and being there. Um, I wish it wasn't on Thursday night, but, yeah, I think NC State's going to comfortably take take care of business as well. And this will be a Tech team that might be at this point um, three and five at this point on a four-game losing streak coming into the closing stretch. Might be. All right. Or an ideal world, maybe five and three. Okay. Um but here, after that NC State game, the the, the schedule is going to lighten up for the next couple weeks. You play a very good uh, NC State team. Now you're going to play a couple of very bad teams, most likely. Um, you're going to be hosting starting with uh, Georgia Tech on November 5th. Yeah, and, you know, for Georgia Tech, I mean, at this point, you know, Jeff, you probably know as well. Jeff Collins, you know, given – I mean, look, he – you know, I think we all know he, he was given a tough job. There's going to be a lot of pressure probably going into this game at that point for him and his job security. I think Virginia Tech takes care of business at home in this one. I think this is where things start. You know, you lose a guy like Jameer Gibbs on the Georgia Tech side. I think Malachi Thomas could have a big game in this one. And I think Tech – I think Virginia Tech gets the job done um, and gets what could be, you know, a three- or four-game losing streak. I think they end it at home in November and – the push to get to a bowl game in year one for Brent Pry really turns on at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, then after Georgia Tech, you go on the play, on the road. You play at a, a very much rebuilding Duke team. Um, yeah, th- th- this is a Duke team that that simply doesn't have very much talent across the board. Yeah, and I think Virginia Tech once again. I think this is where Tech could really finish the season strong and build a lot of momentum towards not only the rest of the season, but also next year and the establishment of this program under Brent Pry. And I think Tech goes down to Duke. Tech fans always travel really well as well to Duke. And, yeah, I think Tech comfortably takes care of business at Duke in what could be like a home environment. Okay. Um, now now you end up with a couple games here, um, pretty, pretty tricky ones to finish the season. Uh, you go on the road uh, after Duke to play at Liberty – um, you know that uh, the Liberty loss from a couple years ago is is what set probably set the wheels in motion, I would say for um, Justin Fuente's exit. Um, you know, you freeze his guys. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You freeze built up a very done a very good job at Liberty, um, but thankfully Malik Wills is no longer there. Right. I think Tech <laughs> gets it done, but yeah, you know, I'll say this on a personal note. You know, when I was in high school, my high school played three state championships at Williams Stadium um, against a local, twice against a local team in Lynchburg and once against a Roanoke team. Always kind of a road game for my school from Fredericksburg, about two and a half, three hours away from Lynchburg. And um, lost all three. Now, they won my eighth grade year against Logan Thomas in, in, at Liberty's Williams Stadium. But in schools that I have have actively been to, actively at or have attended, uh, I have an O for record. At Williams, I think that changes this fall against Liberty. Um, but my my record in terms of the teams I root for and in, inside Williams Stadium, 
at Liberty as a, not the best, not the best track record exactly here. All right. And then you finish the season uh, against a uh, arch rival in-state rival for the Commonwealth cup, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers, you know, it's well known Virginia tech football has absolutely dominated this series since 2003. See if they can keep it going. And I think they do. Um, yeah, I think you know, look, Brennan Armstrong, the weapons that he has, the weapons returning that he has, like Wicks and others, are going to be dangerous. But I think that offensive line is a big concern for UVA. Uh, that defense is re- is in a rebuilding mode, and I think Tech is going to have momentum going into this game. It's at home on a Saturday, not a Friday, on a Saturday after Thanksgiving. I think Tech gets the job done for what would be, I think, based on what I said, about seven and five. Um, which I think, like I said, six and six, seven and five might be on the upper end when all is said and done. Of course, that's the weird thing is you you know you have a three game losing three or four game losing streak in the middle and a four game winning streak. You know what are the odds actually that playing out? No idea. But you know I, I think Tech gets it done, but I think it could be a very good game. And you know for UVA to kind of break the, I, I mean they haven't won at Lane Stadium in a long time. I, I don't think this is the year, but. It, I, it's probably going to be a close one between two teams that are right around 500. All right. Good stuff there, Tim. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Well, uh, Tim, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a shout out here, actually, because here's the deal. Um, you actually called a midseason firing based on a certain record. You said if Justin Fuente's record is X, we could see a midseason firing, and that he he was fired, and he and he he could have stayed on till the end of the season, but he walked out. He walked out after the Duke game. He walked out. So there you go. We'll give you your first. First, uh, first cre- credit there. I still remember that from last year, and I wanted to make sure I said that before you came before you came on here. So, right I now, I don't even remember that. Wow, uh, I do, I do, I remember I, it. I, I, I'm happy you did because that makes me look um, looks makes me look a little smarter in terms of my uh, predictions. I, I remember it. I remember it. I, remember, I, I, I got the pulse, man. I, 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 I'm a steel trap. All right, so here we go, man. Now we got it. Now we got a new coach at Virginia Tech and Brent Pry. And, you know, we see that they're kind of working the in-state recruiting a little more in the state of Virginia, trying to develop these relationships. I think everybody has, quite frankly, has loved that. So give us the pulse of the Virginia Tech football program right, right now. What do you think the Hokies fans, bloggers are thinking right now on the status of the program? The floor is yours. Yeah, I think there's one more. I think two things. One. Brenton Pry fits Virginia Tech, and when you when you have a coach that fits, look, there are, great coaches can overcome not being the right fit. Good coaches at this level have to be the right fit. If they're not, it's not going to work as well as you need it to. Brent Pry checks the fit box to where all right, if he's not, he doesn't have to be as good of a coach to be successful because he fits Virginia Tech. Um, and I think the other side of it is. Tech is this is the honeymoon phase, you know, because Pry is such a good fit and we've seen no games played yet. You know, everybody's feeling good. Everybody's feeling good and rightly so. You know, like I said, the fit is very good. And I think that that gives you more reason for optimism that this can be this can work. With that said, will it work? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's not the fun answer that some people might be hoping to hear tonight, but I, I don't know. I don't know if this will work or not. We'll see. I mean, it's a risk when you take a guy who's never been a head coach anywhere before in his career. Um, that's a risk. Anyone saying otherwise, it's crazy. But Tech has pumped the resources, and that's helping too. Tech built up the war chest by waiting, not rushing in 2020 when coaches didn't want to move around, when the people they won at the time, which one of the two people I think they wanted, funny enough, is now UVA head coach Tony Elliott. <laughs> funny how those... Those things work out sometimes. But, you know, I think they built up the war chest. So they, and I think what Babcock realized, all right, we need to expand the the resources significantly in terms of assistant coach salaries and all, you know, and all that in terms of staffing and the amount of people and the manpower. Um, And I think it was one of those things, all right, if Fuente does great and suddenly turns it around, 
great. We'll we'll dump it out at the end of 2021. If not, we'll we'll have it ready for the next coach. And obviously, we as we all well know, it was the if not, here's the next coach. Here's the uh, massive pile of resources that Tech has. Now, of course, briefly they jumped. I think second in assistant salary pool in the ACC, and then Miami decided, you know what, we're going to spend, you know, as much as anyone in the country on football now um, through various means and resources, which can be a whole nother discussion for a whole nother probably time to say the least. But, uh, but tech has definitely increased the resources They're probably going to, they're going to have to stay up even more um, because of the way just college football is nowadays. But yeah, I think, that's kind of where tech is at. Will it work? We'll see. Uh, but they're definitely building. The foundation is good. The foundation of the recruiting class is good. They're going to have to start hitting on some big names here soon, um, given the pedigrees and everything else. And it's not going to be as easy as, you know, when Fuente went some of the excitement that was still the Frank Beamer era, all that. But they're going to have to start hitting on some bigger, you know, some big names soon. And they got one from the Richmond area, several Power Five offers today at a big time school, Highland Springs. That helps. Um, in terms of, all right, let's continue to build inroads at these big-time programs. But, you know, you're laying the ground foundation. Now it's time to, you know, keep building on it. And like I said, we're in the honeymoon phase. I don't think that honeymoon phase will end until someone gets mad at a play call on September 2nd at ODU. Very good take. Very good take, Tim. So as we close this podcast, Tim, the floor is yours for open microphone time. Here you go, friend. Yeah, I think we got to talk about what else has been going on at Virginia Tech and this golden era and this golden diamond spring um, that is going on in Blacksburg. Um, tech baseball, tech softball, there's some history, but nothing like what we are witnessing right now. Um, it's just, it's historic for both programs, and it's happening at the same time. If you don't know, tech softball, number three, received the number three national seed for the NCAA softball tournament. Uh, they, my goodness, what a story. Um, they lost dramatically Saturday afternoon to Kentucky. And because of weather delays, their game, their loser's bracket championship game against Miami, Ohio, started at 10.40 p.m. last night. They were down 4-3, or 4-1 actually going to the fourth inning. Midnight was approaching, and it seemed like for the Hokies, after winning the ACC regular season title, midnight was approaching on their historic season. Well, a couple home runs around midnight, take the lead, finish that one off, and then two wins against Kentucky today with a rain delay in between and a coach getting ejected in the second game for what was a rightful anger, to say the least, from Pete DeMore. And Virginia Tech's on to the Super Regional phase, the first Super Regional in Blacksburg after the first Regionals ever in Blacksburg earlier today, the highest national seed by far at number three in program history. Um, and honestly, their side of the bracket, not just obviously got to get through Florida, but if they get the OKC, number two, Florida State, number six, Alabama on that side of the bracket are both out. So the door, the, the window is opening and it's been an incredible year. Keely Rochard leading the way. They found a second pitcher in ACC freshman of the year. Emma Lemley, Rochard being the ACC pitcher of the year. Their offense Struggled some in the regional, but they found it at the very end. Found enough at the very end. That's, you know, the weaker part of this team, but it's definitely been improved this year overall. And, yeah. And then on the other side, you have baseball. Tech baseball, ranked number three in the country, which is unbelievable. They they struggled early first series or so, and then they turned it on. They found their rhythm. Unlike Tech softball, this is a bad offensive first team. Gavin Cross is going to be a top 20 MLB draft pick was that coming into the season is just built on that Jack Hurley and Tanner Schobel were semifinals for what I think is the Heisman equivalent for college baseball. I don't know the word exactly, but those guys have been big in that lineup. Nick Bittison, the veteran, um, Carson Demartini, one of the two star freshmen on this team, been a big boost in Kate Hunter at catcher. You got the ace Griffin green, but the true ace is the Saturday starter drew Hackenberg, who is the first 10 win pitcher for Virginia tech since 2013 the only other time Tech has ever hosted a regional, which Tech will be number two in the rankings this week. They're number, they won the ACC Coastal, really won the old ACC regular season title as well. Um, as they'll be the number one seed in Charlotte for the ACC baseball tournament this week. Tremendous team. They're going to host a regional. They're going to be a top eight seed, which means their road to Omaha, like softball, is going to be through Blacksburg. 
and it could be four straight. We're going to have at least three, maybe, and if Tech gets, wins their regional, four straight weekends of NCAA action in Blacksburg. This has never been seen before. This level of performance for either program, let alone happening at the same time. Uh, I mean, Whit Bathpack obviously deserves a ton of credit. John Sheff, you know, they had the collapse last year on the baseball front. That didn't happen this time around. They've just elevated their game. They'll be number two in the country probably tomorrow um, going into that. And if tennis, if they win the ACC tournament and Tennessee, you know, struggle were the collapse in the SEC, there's a chance Tech could even be the number one overall seed entering the NCAA baseball tournament, which would be incredible. But they'll be a top three or four seed at worst, regardless of what they do in Charlotte, most likely. Um, and then softball, you know, and baseball, like I said, they built up, they rebuilt English field. John Chef rebuilt that program that was in a dumpster fire. Um, Scott Thomas, you know, just wasn't working out, but he helped start to get the resources that Tech softball needed that they just didn't have. And Pete DeMore has taken advantage of the resources that and the foundation that under the surface that Scott Thomas laid and really built something. I mean, they were below 500 Thomas's last year. They've made regionals every full season that they've had. Of course, the 2020 season is in the middle of there as well. Uh, Tech will probably uh, have to give some raises to both DeMore and uh, John Sheff here this offseason. <laughs> Uh, the checkbook's going to be opening in Blacksburg, but it's been tremendous from Keely Richard, Gavin Cross, Drew Hackenberg. I mean, this weekend we've seen Mackenzie Lauder and Jamie Bailey huge over the past 24 hours uh, on a team that got five hours of rest, come out and beat Kentucky twice today on softball with OKC Insight, and a team that is probably the number one challenger to what maybe the greatest softball team was talked about as maybe the greatest softball team ever in college history in Oklahoma, the one seed. Went like 50 and two in the regular season or something like something absurd like that. But tech on the other side, you know, we could be talking here in a few weeks. Tech versus Oklahoma, best of three for the national championship in Oklahoma City. Not ideal being in Oklahoma City, but um, but that's where tech is at. And it could be we could be talking a week or two, a couple weeks after that, or a week, yeah, basically a couple weeks after that, tech baseball playing in a best of three for a national title in, in Omaha. This might be the year. Yeah, look, we, you know, there's there's a lot a long ways to go, but this could be the year that Virginia Tech leaves Kansas State behind and wins a, a team national championship. And, man, would that be a uh, would that be a big celebration in Blacksburg? And they got the teams that maybe went to. We got you on mute still, Matthew. Oh, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a very good take, Tim. You got a very good take. Um, I'll just add something real quick before we go to Jeff's open mic here. I mean, this may be actually the highest finish probably ever in the Directors' Cup for Virginia Tech. Is is that correct, Tim? I'd have to check and see. I haven't kept a close eye on it, but it's got to be up there. I would assume it has to be up there with what you've seen with baseball, softball. You look at the track team, soccer, wrestling, basketball on both fronts. It's got to be up there. I mean, outside of football, I saw on a message board today, someone speculating, I think it might be fair, is this the greatest athletic season in Virginia Tech history? And I think overall, yeah. And Whit Babcock deserves a ton of credit, you know. 90% 90% of tech athletics is right where you want it to be in all or about 80 to 90%. Unfortunately, about 10% of that is in to many people worth about 90% of that in terms of football and getting that right. Um, but Whit Babcock has done a tremendous job, what he's been building up across the board and tech's going to win a national championship here soon. It's, it's coming. The team national championship that's eluded tech is coming and it might be this year. It very well could be this year. It very well could be over the next month. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I think it is. I think from my records, it it will be the highest finish in the director's cup for Virginia Tech. I think that's that's how I'm following it. Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, this week is the ACC uh baseball tournament and and as tim said virginia techs had an outstanding season uh they go into the tournament the number one seed but but this should be an outstanding tournament uh the 12 teams here 
uh, the ACC could have as many as 11 NCAA uh, teams out of these 12. And I, I don't think there's any way they won't have as many as as nine. But I mean, you could be looking at a tournament where where you got 11 NCAA teams. And and let's get a quick look at at the pools here. Uh, pool A is Virginia Tech, uh, number one seed. Number eight, North Carolina. Uh, in that in that pool and, and playing some of the best baseball in the ACC. You know, that was a team that was, you know, on the fringes of the bubble about two and a half weeks ago, and they, they're they coming off of a sweep of Florida State and playing great. Um, Clemson uh, is the number 12 seed, but has played much better as of late. They're trying to get off the bubble, and they're coming off a sweep of, of Boston College. So, you know, that, that that's a 12 seed there that could, that could be in the NCAA tournament. So that, that's a pretty strong uh, pool there. Pool B, you've got the Atlantic Division champions, uh, Louisville, uh, in that in that pool, number seven, Georgia Tech. They've won six games in a row. Uh, when they get a little pitching going, uh, they they have as good an offense as any team in, in college baseball. Um, for them, if 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 they can just have average pitching, they could they could come out of this pool B. Uh, and then number eleven, Pitt, who who is probably the one team that that probably can't at large their way into the tournament. But they have a number of, of quality wins during the course of the season, so um, you definitely can't overlook Pitt in that pool either. Uh, pool C, you've got number three Miami. Uh, you've got number six Wake Forest, who is red hot to, to finish the year as well. Uh, just coming off a sweep of NC State, who's in this bracket as a ten seed. Um, you, you look at this bracket, and I think it's really important for NC State. They're a team that that has fallen back onto a bubble after, you know, last year's great season reaching the college world series. And, and, you know, before the, the COVID cancellation could have played for the national championship um, and now is, is in danger of not making the tournament. They, they probably need to win a, a game or two to, to get into the NCAAs. They're, they're in the bubble and that's getting swept by Wake Forest last week uh, really put a dent in their chances. Uh, now you look at pool D and this is an absolutely brutal pool. Number four, Notre Dame. Number five, Virginia. Those are two teams uh, that are in contention for having a regional host. And then Florida State, who was one of the preseason favorites in the ACC, just got swept by North Carolina. Um, but we know that the, the Seminoles are, are, you know, have as Pretty, pretty good talent there out of Tallahassee. And if they can get some consistency going, you know, they could come out of that pool. And that that's a brutal uh, group right there. But, you know, this is going to be a really great ACC baseball uh, tournament. I think, you know, with, considering the way they've played over the last two months of the season, Virginia Tech, you know, your favorite, you know, the best combination of pitching and offense uh, in the league. But, I mean, there are a host of teams here that are, are playing for hosts, trying to get into top eight seeds into the tournament. I mean, this is a very high quality tournament. And I think most people have said, you know, there, there might not be a Tennessee type team um, in the ACC, but it, it's very likely the the Atlantic Coast Conference is the deepest league uh, in the country this season. So, yeah, should be a, a great ACC baseball tournament. Very good, Jeff. Very good, Jeff. I'm going to close this podcast by asking Tim a question. Tim, are you ready? Okay. Uh, is Kentucky the uh, NCAA's worst fan ba- fan base, and why is the answer yes? I I see. I so I went to the Tech Kentucky game, basketball game at Rupp all those years ago when I was a senior in college, and I enjoyed my experience in Lexington. So I, I have to. I have to heartily disagree um, with that. I saw you mention that. I was like, I, I don't know what happened uh, at, at some point. I, I've, I've, all the interactions I've had with Kentucky fans have always been great. Uh, I actually like Kentucky as a fan base. Like, I, I, I like them. The <laughs> that's that's, that's the all worst. I got. <laughs> They're the worst. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe this is an era thing. Maybe, you know, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you know, because let's be honest, there's, everybody has that. One the two percent, you know, point one the one the two percent of their fan base that, you know, is 
is just not the right ones to run into. And you run into that, you know, and you get and can set the perception. Distorted, so. distorted, I guess. Huh? I guess yeah. your opinion distorted, I guess, based on a few outliers. But uh, <laughs> okay, well, I still, I, I will still take this opportunity to, to, to say that, you know, I, I'm glad that they can go and get that 50 50. 50% cotton, 50% polyester jersey at Walmart before. I'm just kidding. All right. So, well, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, Tim. It's always great to have you come on this show. We loved having you come on the show. I mean, and we loved, quite frankly, that you came down and talked, gave people the real perspective on what 2022 Virginia Tech football is going to be like because people need it. People need people need to hear that. I've heard some of our fan base come out there and say, "Oh yeah, nine. You know, we're going to be nine and three. And I'm like, "No, they, they've not. lost the plot. No, no, That's no, the no, best no, way no. of saying it. it's just not. I could be wrong, um, but I would be uh, very surprised if that you're, happened. You're, and you're I think not. I'll say pleasantly surprised if that happened. But yeah, I, I, look, this is going to be a battle to get bowl eligible. I mean, all honesty, if Prep probably gets to see bowl eligible. Um, you know that might not be a uh, that might be something that makes him worthy of maybe third or you know third or fourth on the ACC Coach of the Year list. I mean, if he's if he if Virginia Tech goes nine and three, he's probably going to be on the national. He should be college year list. He should be the ACC Coach of the Year. That's for sure. He may be on the national. He'd be maybe on the short list for the national Coach of the Year list if he goes nine and three and makes the AC, ACC championship game right. Well, he definitely won't be last in CBS's sports ranking of the Power Five coaches going into the next season. <laughs> Fair. Which, hey, I respect the fact that they'll put a lot of guys who don't have coaching experience at the bottom at coaching experience. I, hey, I respect that. That's 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 a fair point. Of course, they put a couple of those guys a little higher up ahead of some experienced coaches, like you know guys like Brett Venables, for example. But that's a whole other story. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tim, thanks again for joining us, and we'd love to have you come back on the show again sometime. Absolutely. Look forward to being back on and appreciate you guys as well. Take care. Have a great week, guys.